Hello everyone, happy Thursday or whatever day you're listening to this on. So let me kind of set the scene for you because I'm just, you know, it's a good, it's good Thursday. So it's still August, it's not even the middle of August, but it is just like the most beautiful weather. It's like 65 in Kansas City right now. I mean, obviously it's still the morning, you know, give it a few hours. I'm sure it'll get up to a hundred, but went and got coffee with my dad this morning and currently have a fall candle going. I'm definitely in the fall mood, so I'm feeling good. I'm excited. Um, yeah, if you're new here, welcome. My name is Jamie. This is the Disordered Podcast where we talk about all things food relationship related and just really getting a healthy mindset around eating. So today we're just going to get right into it. Today we're talking about how to know if you have a healthy relationship with food or not. So this is an interesting topic because on surface level, I know a lot of people would say, how would you not know if you don't have a healthy relationship with food? It's either you have one or you don't you know, there's not really a gray area in between. But the truth is, it's really not that simple. For a lot of people, and you know, for me personally, I didn't realize that I didn't have a good relationship with food until someone else told me that it wasn't normal to obsess over food 24-7. Like, I genuinely thought I was just being, you know, healthy queen over here and just part of the price you pay is just this crippling guilt after everything I would eat. I thought it was normal to have cheat days and just binge on those days and just have this extreme regret fill me the next day or even after that meal or you know, but it's not, it's not normal at all. And like I said, someone didn't tell me that it wasn't normal. I genuinely would have had no idea. And I'm sure I would be in the same place I was, or, you know, even worse, honestly. So very grateful for that. So that's why today we're going to talk through the top five signs that you do not have a good relationship with food and most likely don't even realize it. So let's just get right into it. All right, so let's just get right into it with sign number one, and that's you feel guilty after eating. And I am talking any guilt after food, whether you're eating sugar, carbs, fat, fast food, literally anything. If you feel guilty after eating, it can mean one of two things. First, it can mean that you are not listening to your hunger and fullness cues. You're not listening to your body when it's had enough, what it needs, anything like that. Guilt comes after binging typically, but if you have a good relationship with food, you would eat until satisfied and see food as fuel that your body needs, and therefore you know you should not feel guilty about eating. So, the second reason you can feel guilty after eating is that you group food into good and bad groups. 
and feel guilty after eating something from that imaginary bad group. So here's the thing with that. Stop grouping foods into these imaginary groups because the truth is this, and this is really hard to wrap your head around. This was really hard for me to wrap my head around when I was going through recovery. And it's that you can eat anything, like genuinely anything and still be healthy as long as it's what your body needs and everything balance, everything in moderation. Once I got into the position of having a really solid relationship, not only with food, but also what my body needed and could listen to my body, I understood my cravings. Sometimes I crave a really sugary, you know, like something and I'll eat that and I'll eat the exact amount that my body is telling me it needs. I eat slow, I savor the bites and I never feel the need to eat even a half a bite over what I want because I know now and my body knows now that I will never deprive it again of food groups. So it knows that it doesn't need to just binge and eat so much of something when I give it to it because it it knows I will give it whatever it needs whenever it needs it. No food is off limit for me. And so I don't feel the need to overeat when I do get these certain foods because I know the next second I want it, I can have it. And it just like completely shifted my mind around food. And, you know, this completely eliminated binging for me and grouping foods into good and bad. Now I crave, you know, like veggies and fruit when I never did before because I would force my body to eat it when it did not want those food groups. So anyway, we'll kind of get more into the good and bad food groups in a second, but let's move in to sign number two, which is you avoid or restrict foods that your diet deems as bad. And please imagine those quotations mar- quotation marks around the word bad. So we kind of touched on this a second ago, but let's really dive into it. Like I said before, and I'll say it again, there are no bad foods. I know it's hard to grasp, but there is literally no such thing as a bad food. If you eat anything in surplus where you're ignoring your body, that's when food becomes unhealthy. But there is no one food that is bad for you. It does not matter what the ingredients are. There can be foods that are, you know, not as nutrient dense. But the word bad, you need to stop associating the word bad around food. Because it just simply does not exist. If your body is craving something that you deem as bad, and you therefore ignore the cue or have to justify eating it, That means you don't have a good relationship with your food. Every food, no matter its categorization, (laughs) how do you say that word? Categorization, categorization, whatever, provides nutrition and substance to the body. And and that's true. And, you know, I, I... I just can't get over the fact that I can't pronounce categories, categorization by, anyway, (laughs) if you listen to your body and what it needs, you will naturally crave nutritious food 
most of the time. And when you crave foods that have less nutritious value, you'll be able to listen to it and know that it's providing what your body needs and stop listening to what these disordered thoughts are telling you that aren't true. All right, so that brings us to sign number three. You rely on calories and calorie counters to determine when you can and cannot eat as well as how much you can or can't eat. So, (laughs) without, you know, dancing around the bush, is that beating around the bush? I'm just really having a hard time (laughs) talking today. Anyway, calorie counters are genuinely the stupidest thing. Like, genuinely. I do not care what your argument is with it. You know, some people are saying that it helps you with nutrients for the day and blah, blah, blah. No, they did not like really think about this. They did not exist until, you know, the past 10 years, whatever. And before they existed, people were doing fine. You know, probably even better, honestly, probably better. So if you listen to what a calorie counter tells you when you can and can't eat, that means you are not listening to your body and therefore don't have a good relationship with food. This means that you're letting this little application or machine or you know, weight loss program regulate your hunger and fullness rather than your body. With me personally, with calorie counters, um, you know, just like almost every person that I know of at least who has struggled with eating, freaking my fitness pal, I will hate that app until I die because it would count my calories and I would just, it, it almost became a game with me where I would kind of look at the calories and see, okay, I ate this much today. The goal is to see basically how little I could eat to see if I could get that number lower. And at the end of the day, the thing you have to realize is it is just a number. It is simply just a number. It means nothing. It holds no significance because your body and, and you know, how much energy it burns, how much energy it needs for that day is completely different every day, most times. And for you to let this little app determine what you're eating when your body is telling you something completely different is not normal. And this app is just determining these numbers of caloric intake based on what little information you provide. And you're letting it dictate your life. That's not something that you should be letting dictate your life. You should be listening to your body because it knows what it needs. You know, God made our bodies to be able to take care of themselves. That's why we have hunger and fullness cues. That's why we're thirsty. That's why we're tired. All the things. So the moment we start ignoring those cues and letting other things determine our hunger and fullness, that's when we lose touch with our body and we we can't determine what it needs because we've had we've ignored it for so long so that brings us into sign number four 
And that is you ignore your body's natural hunger and fullness cues. This one is huge that people don't even realize they're doing. So I follow this dietitian on Instagram and she's also recovering from eating disorders and she's honestly the best person to follow. Um, I am completely blanking on her her Instagram name. I think it's like Rebel Diet Culture or something like that. I'll have it linked on my Instagram or whatever. Um, but she's really the best person to follow, especially if you're kind of recovering from disordered eating thoughts or eating disorders or anything. She just makes you feel a lot better, a lot less alone, just all around great Instagram. But she is the one who really made me realize how insane it is to hear my body say like, you know, hey, I'm hungry (laughs) and then go, no. I know you're hungry, but, like, here's some water, deal with it, or, like, you know, I know you're hungry, but, like, we're just gonna not do that, like, that's just wild to me now, but at the time, I was like, oh, you know, that's just what everyone does, but the thing that really got me that she pointed out, and, okay, so think about it like this, let's say you're hungry, and you're really craving some chocolate, but, you don't listen to your body and you say, you know, I know I want chocolate, but I think I'm just hungry, so I'm going to eat a banana. But you're not satisfied. So you say, okay, well, then I guess I'll go eat, you know, some toast. And you still aren't satisfied. So finally, you're like, okay, I guess I really do want this chocolate. So you eat the chocolate. But then you say, dang, I really just ate a lot. I might as well just kind of make this into you know, a quote-unquote cheat meal, and I'll just eat the whole container of chocolate. Okay, you eat the whole container of chocolate. Well, now I've just messed up so much. I'm just gonna, you know, so on, so on, so on, and it's a whole spiral, and it's a cycle, a cycle that could have entirely been avoided if you had just listened to your body in the first place. You know, if you had just heard your body say, hey, I really am wanting some chocolate, blood sugar's a little low, let's get it going, and eating it to satisfaction, moved on with your day, the whole thing avoided. But the fact that you're ignoring your body and what it's telling you, it doesn't just go away. You know, it's going to be there. So let's just start listening to our bodies, you know? Okay, so then we move into number five. You experience stress around eating times, especially eating in social situations. So this one in particular, I feel like, you know, I I would almost say this is kind of the lesser known sign that you don't have a good relationship with food. Some people just don't experience this at all and they kind of view social situations as an excuse to, you know, again, that word cheat that doesn't exist because whatever. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some point. But social situations for some people just equate that. But for a lot of people, it just causes complete stress and anxiety knowing that you are going into a social situation where there's going to be food that you can't really control the health aspects of it. And for me in particular, when I was really struggling with this, the 
biggest source of anxiety and stress would be eating at someone's house or eating in a social setting where they provide the food for you, where they you don't get any say in what you're eating. And the biggest thing was you don't know how it was prepared. That was just huge for me. It was so difficult eating things when I didn't know if they use this ingredient, if they use this ingredient. Oh, I, I can't have this ingredient, stuff like that. And it just was so stressful going into these social situations. And then honestly, for me also, I just really struggled with listening to my fullness in those situations where I don't want to come off as rude and not finish the meal but I'm, I'm full. I'm, I'm good. And so with all of that being said, that's kind of how you know that you're, you're still not in, first of all, a good place with food, but second of all, with, with pleasing people. And that's something I'm still working on. It's, you know, the people pleasing, especially when it comes to meals. Um, so with social situations now, I know that I'm in a better place with food because I feel no pressure to know how the meal was made. I'm not looking at a menu and looking up the calories. I've really just found a better freedom with the social situations by just going in saying, I'm going to eat what sounds good to me and I'm going to eat as much as my body needs and stop when it's full, not feeling pressure to finish it. And not feeling pressure to please someone by finishing it. And like I said, that last part is still a little difficult for me. I'm still working on that. But for the most part, just having that freedom around social situations has just opened up a new world. Knowing that I'm excited now to go out to eat with people. Knowing that I'm excited to go to these situations where people cook for me. Versus before, that was never the case. I just always felt so much anxiety around that kind of stuff. And no, okay. All this to say, so we've gone through these five reasons. Now it's kind of a, okay, now what? I I realize now that I don't have a good relationship with food or I don't have the best relationship with food. Maybe not all five of these pertain to you. Maybe only one or two. And no matter what the case is, there are next steps and you can make it better. I really want to emphasize that because for me, when I realized that I didn't have a good relationship with food, I kind of felt stuck. I was like, okay, I don't think it's it's bad enough to where I really need to go somewhere and get help. I, I don't know what to do because I don't want to carry on like this. So the next steps in the next episode, we're really going to talk about where to start, where to go. Now that we know that we don't have a good relationship with food and where to move on from here. I think that's really important is just getting started. And in the next episode, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about where to start and where to go. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. That'll be next week. That's all from me today. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Great weekend if that's where you're headed. Great week if that's where you are. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye.